Hi, my name is Terry Lynch. I'm the CEO of Power Nickel, and I'm here today with uh, Ken Williamson, who's the Managing Director of 3DGO. Ken did the geological uh, 43101 work for us that was just released today on our NISC, uh, Nickel project in just south of James Bay, Quebec. We're going to talk to you about that project today. It's, uh, it's exciting news that we've uh, produced for the market. Merlin, Terry, Terry, great. Um, good to speak to you again. Uh, Ken, to nice, to, nice to see you again. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> I last spoke to you in early April. Three months have passed. Uh, I was impressed with the geology of the NISC project and the way that you were going about it. Uh, today, you've just put out your maiden resource estimate. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about the resource estimate? How many meters it took you to drill it? Um, you know, what data went into it and um, what, the, what came out of it in, in, in you know, tons and grade? So the uh, the release for today uh, is quite exciting uh, to me. Uh, what we've ended up with, um, well, uh, what we'd ended up with as final uh, numbers here uh, for that current mineral estimate is uh, a split between an open pit resource and an underground resource uh, for which we, uh, we did define indicated and inferred uh, resource for both uh, mining methods. And that engineering work uh, has been done by Inovexplo, uh, who took the lead calculating the different economic parameters and things like that required to define uh, a Whittle pit shell, uh, which is an optimized pit shell, as well as DSO work, which is Deswick shape optimizer uh, for the underground mining method. And all this combined together, uh, we were ended up uh, with an open pit scenario using a cutoff grade of 0.33 uh, nickel equivalent, 0.33% uh, nickel equivalent, uh, having indicated resource there uh, of about 900,000 tons uh, of material uh, that grades at 0.87 uh, nickel percent nickel equivalent. Uh, and then inferred resource uh, in the open pit at just over uh, 1.04% uh, nickel equivalent uh, for 67,000 tons uh, there. And underground, uh, the cutoff grade is kind of triple uh, that number. So we're using their cutoff grade of 0.91. Uh, giving us uh, 1.7 million tons uh, of in indicated material uh, at 1.37% nickel equivalent and uh, close to 1.4 uh, million tons of inferred material at 1.3% nickel equivalent. Um, so those numbers in terms of uh, percent nickel equivalent are super interesting. It's, uh, I would say, amongst the different deposits I have looked at, uh, it's pretty high grade uh, material. Um, so hang on, hang on, let me just let me just unpack that because I'm kind of slightly overwhelmed by numbers. Um, oh, sorry about so, that. No, no, that's absolutely fine. So in essence, there's um, the vast majority of the open pit is in the indicated category. And you've absolutely. got about 900,000 tons falls into an open pit. And that's got a nickel grade of um, a nickel cutoff of 0.3, a nickel grade of 0.53, more or less, yes. with contributions from copper and palladium and a little bit of cobalt. And that, that gives you your nickel equivalent of 
Absolutely. Um, and you would add palladium to that mix as well. Yeah. So, so nickel equivalent of just under 0.9%. So it's 900,000 tons at about 0.9%. And this is, this is all, um, correct me if I'm, um, if I'm wrong, but this is all sulfide. There's, there, there's no oxide in here. Absolutely. It's so, sulfide so, so this should make a nice concentrate. Absolutely. So, so you've got 900,000 tons in your first resource in uh, the open pit, and you've got, um, you've got a split of, and I know the Toronto Stock Exchange doesn't like doing this, but if you add up your inferred and your indicated, it's just over 3 million tons, and it's 3.1 million tons. Almost four. Sorry, Almost is that? Four, yeah. Hang on, you've got 1.7 plus 1.4. Uh, no, we got... And, Total indicated for the open pit combined with the underground. No, no, no. I'm just talking about the underground. I'm just talking about the underground. Oh, the is, underground. Is yes. 1.7 indicated and 1.3 inferred. You put those yes. together, you've got yeah. 3.1 million tons, more or less. Right, right um, underground. Which is, yeah, which right. is your underground yeah. resource category. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, absolutely. It's not quite half split between indicated and inferred, but, uh, you know, much more even in its split than the open pit, which is 900,000 tons, which is almost all indicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you, then if you add your total tonnage resource, you're about 4 million tonnes at a variety of different cutoff grades and a variety of different grades. But essentially, this is looking like a pretty healthy nickel grade. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how much drilling have you done to... How much drilling has you know under power nickel has gone into this resource? Or in fact, not just under power nickel, but how much drilling in total has gone to define this resource? Uh, we're looking at uh, not even uh, seventy drill holes altogether. Um, the exact numbers are as follow. Um, well, just a little bit over uh, sixty-six holes total, uh, out of which we had uh, fifty-nine historical holes. Uh, and seven recent holes that were drilled by Power Nickel. Uh, and we had explained back uh, the first time we spoke together what was the rationale uh, behind those seven holes, which basically was to confirm and expand and, and fill, I guess, all of this together with only seven holes, trying to yeah. confirm that historical resource that we had and then you know, move on presenting what we are doing today. Uh, ultimately. So all in all, we're talking just over 15,000 uh, meters of drilling, uh, out of which uh, I can't recall the exact number uh, that we drilled with those seven holes, but it was oh, 2,400 2400 meters uh, of drilling uh, that were added re very recently. And those seven holes allowed us to uh, pretty much resurrect, uh, I would use that word, that historical resource and bring it back to a current uh, full-blown resource here. That's, so, that's, a, that's a capital efficient uh, way of drilling, is, 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 is revalidating historic data. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So your, it's your, your discovery cost on NISC has been very low. Super low. Was there a discovery cost, you know? Yeah, exactly. It, and so someone it, else paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's to me is even better uh, in the sense that we knew it was there. The, the confidence level was super high to start with, to tell you the truth. But the regulation being the regulation, uh, we couldn't just suppose things. We, we had to confirm and validate and do that whole thing, uh, which was at the end of the day, a super successful process. Uh, for us, and we were anticipating little glitches here and there, but 
no, not really. Everything was super clean in terms of historical data. And the, the foundation of the project was very, very robust to start with. So but re remind me of um, two things, please. One is what, you know, your, your seven holes that you put in, you must have had, <coughs> excuse me, you must have had encouraging signals about the continuity of mineralization between drill holes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, first, due to the nature of the deposit itself, I guess it was fair enough to anticipate off the bat a really strong and good continuity, geologically speaking. Um, just the way those deposits are being formed and developed, um, you know, within the geological processes involved. So we were starting uh, from there. Remind me, is it, is it a, is it a, um, is it a magmatic the sulfide? Yeah, magmatic sulfides with, uh, you know, those heavy elements uh, sinking at the bottom of the lava flow. And, you know, uh, it's not necessarily structurally controlled. So we're talking about, you know, presence of magma and gravity uh, doing its work re realistically. And that will control the continuity of grade realistically. And it's, it's a, sorry, sorry, I know I shouldn't be asking these geological questions at this stage, but is it a, um, it wasn't kind of an intrusive uh, lava flow or is it a kind of a settling from a bath lift? I mean, does, does, this, does this feel like a pulse from within a bigger chamber or is it kind of a, a hot kind of kamatiatic kind of channel like truth, That is a, a little bit of a slippery road question type here for me <laughs> uh, in the sense that, you know, is it a sill or is it a flow that got deposited? Yeah flat on land and now it's being tilted vertical because of the history of the area and things mm -hmm. like that um to tell you the truth i'd feel more confident telling you that i'm not sure what it is is it a sill or a flow or something like that the good news is though for me uh as a researcher as well i'm a consulting geo but yeah i'm, I'm a researcher over over before that, I think, uh, I have an ex-colleague of mine who's working for the GSC now, the Geological Survey of Canada. And the, my old friend uh, did his PhD study in nickel deposits. And as a matter of fact, he contact, contacted me out of the blue recently, uh, seeing in the news that I was working on that project. And uh, M&I very shortly should be initiating a share, an exchange of information, I guess. And I hope that at that time I'll, I'll know better a little bit, at least what the GSC is thinking about that deposit and perhaps using that knowledge to enhance what we're doing in terms of work. Um, being Absolutely. You know, I, I, I did ask partly out of geological interest, but principally because if you know what is your, emplacement mechanism and what the kind of the original geology was it informs how you can target the next phase of drilling it, it informs your exploration strategy and enables you to vector into the next pod or the next panel or the next uh, accumulation of nickel sulfides absolutely and what i'm saying merlin is not that i did not do that research you know i've i've looked myself at different reports and articles and whatsoever else um but having the opportunity perhaps to speak live, you know, with a, an ex-colleague of mine of who course. specialized in that thing, uh, you know, will 
I hope, gather more information uh, at that point. But you are absolutely right. At this stage, we are using absolutely all information that is available to us uh, to better understand that deposit. And that's one of the key things with my own little company and the way I'm trying to run uh, a mineral resource estimate. You'll never see from me a mineral resource estimate without a well-defined geological context. I guess no consultant are doing that regardless, but me, it's an mm. uh, imperative thing. Uh, I will refuse actually to release numbers if I'm not convinced that I at least understand a little bit where that thing sits, you know, because we you can't display things in a empty background to me anyways. okay well so, let's let, let's unpack the, the the resource a little bit you had 59 historical holes um how were you able to verify the data from those historical holes to be able to include it in a, a public or modern uh, resource sure. so what was that what was that process the validation process itself was a little tricky uh we had to group together different Holes, I guess, based on when they were drilled, by whom, uh, the way they were logged, and the way the data was captured. All of this was a tiny bit different from one phase to the other kind of thing. So mm -hmm. we've separated that out. Uh, for the vast majority of the holes, it was, for historical holes, it was very easy to validate uh, as we did have access to the old certificates. Uh, from the lab so we could confirm numbers. Um, we had access to some of that core, so we had a look at that, verifying that the sample tags were at the right interval and things like that, like the yep. common things. Uh, for the more difficult holes um, that we knew we didn't have the certificates and things like that, we actually used the seven holes that we've drilled with Terry, uh, using a couple of them to actually not necessarily duplicate uh, an historical hole. Sometimes we'll do that. We'll duplicate really a yep. hole very close. Uh, yep. We decided to drill in between known holes of uncertain nature, I guess, just to, for us to confirm that the grade and thickness were there. And right. if we were yep. able to confirm that, well, we didn't have the certificates, but we do have pierce points around that area that confirms that the area has the grade that it's supposed to have. So and that comes back to my comment about variability and grade continuity and geological, exactly. geological structure. And exactly. presumably in, in a magmatic sulfide, you can, um, you can correlate between holes, the horizons, I, but although I don't know how, um, how, how tectonized it is, you know, what the structural fabric is, but um, you should, if it's if it's relatively undisturbed, you can you can build up a kind of a deposit scale uh, deposit scale stratigraphy. Absolutely, and that leads us, I guess, to realize that this type of deposit is very very different than what gold deposit would be. Uh, yeah. Never I could have done what we've done in a gold deposit because it's too negative. Uh, you know, the the grade can be very erratic. Uh, so it's high grade, low grade, you don't really know. So never we would guess what gold grade is in a vein without having those numbers. Uh, with the type of deposit that Terry has in his hand, uh, is, is very, very different in the sense that, yes, there is a variability in grade. I'm not telling you guys that, you know, you drill one hole and all the other holes will be the same, same thickness, same grade, etc. No, it, there is a variability. Um, but 
when you compare such a variability with gold deposits overall, that variability that we experience uh, with the NISC deposit is very, very low, you know, as compared to a typical gold deposits where you'd be capping, you know, super high grade values. Yeah, and of course. Like we, we didn't have really to do that here. Everything I'm... is pretty much consistent. It varies, but stays within a bracket. So to go back to the initial question, the, the official answer would be we couldn't verify and validate from a lab certificate those numbers. However, we've drilled around and we get essentially the same thickness and values that was reported in the past. So who am I to not somehow trust that? You know, um, uh, well, especially if it fits in a geological model. Um, I can see, I yeah. can see from the uh, from the image that you've um, published today that there are two open pits. Well, there's a kind of a single open pit, but it kind of pulls down in two areas. Then underneath yes. that, there are two kind of plunging chutes or panels. Yes. Um, could you give me an indication of kind of what that thickness of that panel is in the kind of in your in your kind of your average thickness of your kind of mineable? Um, resource that you published or is, is, uh, is, thickness in the deposit well the the minimum thickness that we've imposed is couple meters thick and that will happen uh, only on the sides of the deposit where we believe that some late structures have maybe displaced that flow a bit so it, yeah. it's pinching out a bit so that would be on the fringe, the east boundary and west boundary of, of the deposit. Inside, the average thickness would be anywhere between 10 and 15 meters or something like that. And so, so amenable to long hole open stoping. And I, know, I, know, I know you haven't done a kind of a PEA. I know you're not into those kinds of discussions. No, we're but, not there. But, but obviously, but, we're thinking about, you know, yeah. what, what would be coming up long stope uh, mining method would probably be best. Yeah. Uh, when I look at it with the experience I have, I'm not an engineer, but seems very logical to me <laughs> to go yeah. with yeah. mining for yeah. underground yeah. methodology. Uh, the thing that we haven't explored yet neither is the interaction between the, the pit shell and that underground leftover, if we want to call it that way, resource. Uh, yeah. There is a, a whole lot of optimization to be done like at the bottom of the pit and where those stopes would be starting up. Uh, yeah. So for now, it's a very typical approach because we're not in a PEA and it isn't, didn't really worth it spending the, the lots of time required to play with that because you can't have the resource both in pit and underground. So you have to have two groups of engineering working on that at the same time and to have a really good synergy between what the pit guys will do versus the underground guys will do and, 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 fight and together. <laughs> yeah and there's, there's a crown pillar you've got to accommodate Absolutely. as well between the two and then crown pillar needs to be taken into account from the bottom of the pit is it possible to ramp down from there saving lots of costs uh, what will be the mining sequence then? Can we mine, you know, one little pit first, pay for, for the underground, which will be more lucrative, perhaps, to pay for this, the bigger pit and then go underground after? What, you know, all of those things need to be better thought of, refined, etc. Uh, but but sh surely, surely that question isn't even the right time. To, I mean, it doesn't feel that this is the end of the resource. 
Um, I mean, tell, no. to, 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 so so presumably Power Nickel has got a phase two drilling plan. You're, you're going to vector onto another pod. You know, it might not be that this is the resource that needs to be Absolutely. evaluated it, in terms of its development options, but actually the, the next stage is to continue working on understanding the mineral inventory and the, the geometries open ab- to the company. Absolutely. And part of that understanding will be us uh, targeting very, very specifically. I go back to your, you have two little pits and two shoots underground. It seems that there is a gap in the middle. Well, that gap exists because, technically speaking, of a little lake near on surface. So it's very difficult timing-wise to find a good time in the year to drill there. You know, you, right. the regulations in Quebec will not allow you to set up a drill summertime around such a little lake and things like that. So yeah. we're thinking about that now, trying to resolve that issue here where we have a lack of data. And when you look at the um, some images with the, the classification of resource that we did, you'll also see that indicated versus inferred follows the same geometry somehow. So it seems that, you know, we are losing grade because we don't have the drilling that supports having the grade we think there is there so we're we're planning ahead to solve that right now okay so so, so the, the 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 if i can summarize phase 1 is to um, target some drill holes that will lift inferred into an indicated category and there will be some drilling presumably to add new inferred tons yes and in terms of timing we will do the exact opposite of that We'll start with, I think, the, the lateral exploration and then perhaps a few yeah. drill, drill targets deeper outside still of that resource that we're presenting today. The idea is to there give us a little bit more time here internally to fully digest and crunch what we've learned from that resource area. We just, it's fresh for us too, I guess, on, on my side, receiving that pit shell and the DSO work for the underground things. And from there and from that, we can learn lots of things in terms of the behavior of the deposit, how the economics are reacting to that block model we've created based on those parameters and things like that. So we now can better understand not only how the deposit reacts, but how the economics are reacting to that deposit. So now using that, all of that, uh, we are in a much, much better position to pinpoint exactly where in that resource we'd like to have pierce points added such that we can resolve some of this minor issues that we have in terms of that gap in the middle needs to be infilled. Uh, so we know now how to do that and where to poke those holes because we have the DSO work we won't be re-drilling the DSO work. We'll drill just outside of that, trying to expand those stopes from underground and things like that. And the same principle applies for the open pit near surface uh, volume as well. The, the central portion that is below that lake could become a pit eventually should we do something with that lake, for instance. But yes, so far, we do not have the data to to discuss about that because it's there's no resource there as of yet and if there is it's inferred more so yes 
So we are actually trying to define what will be the best strategy for us and for Terry to actually do many, many things with the upcoming drilling. Well, expanding, confirming, and filling, discovering at the end um, of the day. Will there be any emphasis on projects outside of NISC, you know, outside of the immediate? You know, have you got enough <coughs> within the kind of around the fringes of this um, resource estimate? Both, both to the west and to the east. I, I did refer earlier to a couple structures that are kind of probably forcing the, the system that we have now to pinch in both directions. We are anticipating from the geophysical data that we have, uh, the geological information that we have surrounding the main lands at NISC, uh, we have really, really good indications that the, the NISC panel, the main NISC panel that we're reporting today uh, could be offset by those couple structures. And it's a small amount of offset based on the geophysical work that we have and geo maps and things like that. So we're talking perhaps uh, a few tens of meters or a few, uh, an hundred meters or something such that the current drilling probably have missed the offset equivalent of what we are presenting today. So now we know, well, we don't know as we'll know when it's drilled and it's there, but we have a really, really good feeling that we know where the rest is based on the geophysical signature. It's more intense, you know, a little bit further west and further east. So to us, it's like, well, the, the main mineralization has been upset there. As I was mentioning before, um, having further scientific discussions with researchers studying that thing may confirm this, and I hope it will, or may bring up another vision that we didn't have as of yet. You know, and uh, so, so we'll see from there. But uh, right now, there's lots of room um, to expand that thing, especially literally speaking and at depth as well. And why am I saying, especially literally speaking, uh, we know underground operations are more expensive. Uh, would be nice to find little pods, uh, you know, deeper and expanding the NISC main lens a lot, lot deeper. Um, but uh, the deeper we get, the more costly it gets as well. So and your, your, your cost of exploration going from uh, extremely low cost becomes slightly higher cost yeah um, whereas so, if you can if you can find if you can target lateral extensions either side of those banding faults then that also gives you some some low absolutely. cost uh, potential and, there absolutely and, and from discussions i had with terry uh terry uh very well understand that uh and he's you know fully on board with us when we define priorities of targeting and the, re the rationale behind uh, Terry has been really, really good uh, with us, you know, understanding what we're trying to do and uh, being fully supportive of that. Um, and it's just a matter of the, the, the thing is, I think there is not many conclusions that we can reach about the NISC deposit. I mean, we have something and due to the nature and geometry of this, there's not many other things that we could think about doing except the good things that we just talked about. You know, it's, it's a natural thing. It's an easy, I would say, project.
uh, to deal with. Um, so okay, well, that's a good um, thing. Ken, thank you very much. Um, Terry, could you perhaps outline what your plans are for the um, for the rest of the year? You know, how are you going to interact with the market and with the the information coming from uh, 3D Geo Consult? Um, you know, what's what's the company plan for the rest of the year? Yeah, so I mean, basically, you know, we always thought you know getting the uh, official 43101 was going to be critical for a lot of reasons. I, I met several funds that, you know, just wouldn't invest, you know, until there was an official 43101. So, so now we'll, we'll go back and re-engage with, with them. I mean, right now we're like a nano cap, like we were under 10 million as of yesterday, you know, so, uh, you know, yet in my view, you know, with what we've got, we should be potentially 10 times that honestly right now. But obviously, we have to get there. You got to walk before you run. But we get there by communicating, by going to investors that are like the space, and and showing them the real science. You know, that we don't have to put lipstick on the pig. It's pretty much there. You can look at this thing, and either you believe in what we're doing and, and the execution we've shown. I mean, the fact that we're under twenty thousand meters drilled, this thing like by a lot, and and we put that resource together. That's pretty efficient. So pretty exciting from a you know mining perspective, and this is dense rock, so we can we can add tons really quickly. So so we're pretty uh, bullish about what the future can hold. So we're going to try and convey that to the market. And there's sort of three options out there. The market's going to you know catch its footing and and start to say, hey, well these guys are the bargain of the century down here, and we should buy, and they'll get over the fear of the market conditions and. General malaise out there, and 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 and, and the stock will move, and and we would, and you know, basically, the last time we did the financing, we did the financing at twenty five cents and forty cents when nickel was under five bucks a pound, and we just had a theory and and a and, and a and a uh, historical resource. So now we have, you know, a bang up uh, brand new forty three one hundred one nickels over ten bucks a pound, and the stocks at a dime. So <laughs> it is what it is. If if it stays that way. Uh, at a dime, what do you do? Because that that's a possibility. You know, we've all seen that happen in this in, in markets like this. So you, you still want to move forward. So we've got enough money to do this first round of 5,000 meters. So that's happening. What's going to happen after that? Well, two other ways forward for us. So we're talking to strategic I, partners. Hang on, quick question. We say you've got 5,000 meters of drilling. When's that going to start? And is it ongoing? And um, when, yeah. when are we going to see the results from that? So, so, so uh, we basically were planning to start it in July, but then we, as we got the results in and, and got the data in, we realized, hey, we have to sort of, uh, you know, optimize our drilling uh, better and, and make use of the intel that we've gathered to you know vector in on, on what we want to vector in on you know and be efficient with our cash because of course as a junior you've, you've got only a very small pile of cash and you better spend it wisely or you soon will be uh, business so so that's what we're doing now so we expect that probably by mid-august you know the rig's available to us so we're ready to go so probably by mid-august would we'll be would we'll be drilling and and uh, uh, as ken suggested we may drill on the flanks first and then come back to the middle just from the permitting side of things but we'll, we'll get that done so we would think that we would, you know, drill from mid-August through September, probably into early October. And all the while, as we're drilling, we'll be shipping to uh, our assay, uh, assayers. And we would expect probably results coming back end of September, early October to start to trickle in. And and then uh, and then we'll we'll get another, you know, update on this resource and then another sort of look forward as to what we've got. 
at some point in time, we'll need more money going forward. Uh, as I said, we hope the market reacts and we can do it in the market. Uh, the other options are to do the strategic partner discussions, which we've had several of and, and which will now increase because, you know, these guys are smart. They, we, we put our data on our website because we, we recognize there's, there's a lot of people that like to crunch these numbers themselves and develop their own models. And we're not trying to hide anything here. We're, we're very transparent. We believe in what we've got and we're happy to share that data. And so we know people are modeling it and getting the same you know, excitement that we are. So we'll see where that goes. I would like to have that conversation one step further. Uh, the other option for us is uh, we would probably do a, a backstopped rights offering where if the stock stayed down here in the, in the 10 cent range, I'm not going to give it to the short shorts we're trying to cover uh, who have been abusing us. I would, I would rather, you know, uh, give the bargain to my existing shareholders and lead a backstop rights offering led by management and key shareholders. That's what we would do. What's your shareholder register look like? You know, how much do you, uh, what, what, how many of the, sh- or how much of the shareholding do you actually know and can talk to? I mean, is it? Yeah, so, in, so just probably, kind of rough percentage terms. Yeah, so fifty percent of it, you know, I, I can talk to in in under an hour. Okay. The other 50% would probably take me all year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, classic, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. so, uh, so that, so that's why probably that, you know, half is probably going to come in and the other half has to be backstopped just because they, you know, they're lost in the sands of time somewhat and, yeah. and they may or may not come in, but that wouldn't be so bad. And, and one of the things that's neat about uh, Quebec in particular is they have, you know, amazing incentives for drilling. So we can actually, let's say, let's say X dollars. Let's say you had a million dollars and you were going to do it. Well, you could, you could, uh, you could do right now. A, uh, I, I guess you could basically uh, get a million dollars in the company by issuing six hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. Okay, so it's like a one point seven five times. And that may go up to two uh, with some recent stuff that's been done, but certainly 1.75 is there. So it can be capital efficient for us. So so it won't, so our plan would be get this next round done and then we'd immediately plan to have a bigger, probably 15, 20,000 meter program to really take it into the next level and take, a, take us in our view north of 10 million tons and into a commercial status. So that's yeah. sort of the short term plan over the next uh, nine months. And you say north of 10 million tons. Do so you think that at 10 million tons, you're firmly on the map? That's yeah. definitely good. That, that's, gonna, that's coming out of the ground. You know, that's, that's yeah, sh- that, if you get to 10 million tons with this type of grade, this close to surface, where we're at in this jurisdiction, that's 100% coming out of the ground, in my view. You know, I mean, yeah. never say never. There's no absolutes in this world. Yeah. But, but all sorts of examples of, of projects like this that have been built around the world. And the world's, you know, running into class one nickel close to the surface and safe jurisdictions with community support. So uh, yeah. this is, in my view, definitely happening. Great. Well, um, thank you very both very much for the update and uh, good luck in the months ahead. I, I mean, I look forward to seeing those kind of new drilling results. I'd be particularly interested to see what happens outside of those, those bounding faults. If you can tag another, if you can tag another panel, then you're, then you're really talking or two. Yeah. Yeah. It looks exciting. And if you look at the, and the, at the heat map, that's on the, uh, the uh, isometric views there, you look at the, uh, the grade is really attractive at depth. It looks, it gets you know, two to 3% down there at nickel EQ. So it doesn't take a lot of 
a lot of uh, meters of that to really set the blood to boiling, you know. So no, we'll, no, we'll especially if you especially if you've got ten to fifteen meters in in your kind of um, thicknesses. Um, yeah. But as 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 you know, I repeat, if you can get another panel or another two totally. panels, yeah, then That's suddenly then suddenly it's um yeah. it's not just exciting; it's it's properly game on. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, we'll look forward to hopefully bringing you that news in another uh, uh, three or four months, I guess, four, four months. Yeah, <laughs> great, great. Look forward to it. Bring it on. Thank Thanks, you both Merlin. very much. Cheers. Thank Bye. you. Bye.